Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Unspoken Issues. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Unspoken Issues podcast. That is right. We are coming back at you with. Oh my goodness, this is probably, for me myself, uh, a discussion that I, I've, I probably should have had like really in our early days uh, of this <laughs> podcast. Chris Armstrong's with me this evening. We are going to be talking about the times Supreme <laughs> ran into Bloodstrike because it happened a couple times. You had shared, I believe, what had happened in issue five of Bloodstrike, either on the Unspoken Decade page or or somewhere. I can't remember where it was. I swear you shared it. Yeah, I, uh, what, I think what had happened was a few years ago, uh, I had put up, you know, because on the Unspoken Decade Facebook page, we just, we'll just post photos of covers, uh, maybe sometimes panels and stuff, just the stuff that we like to spotlight. And right. I don't really do it very often, but a few years ago, um, I had done several, you know, in, over a few weeks span and and one of them was blood strike number five's cover and uh, i'd shared that and put a little blurb about you know can blood strike take on supreme or whatever <laughs> and uh and, and it came up in my memories the other day yes like, okay week or two ago. so i reposted it at that point and and you took note of it <laughs> oh yes i did man because i remember reading that comic yeah i absolutely had to make a comment on it it, it was an indelible mark that was left in my brain when I read that issue. The problem is, is what I realized preparing for this podcast is that I, I combined the two issues we're going to talk about into one story when they're not. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was all one event that occurred because we're also going to be talking about Supreme number three, which is, I think, one of the first times that Supreme ran into Bloodstrike. And yeah. granted, the two issues are, I think, the Supreme number three is June of 93, and Bloodstrike number five is November of 93. So they're not very far apart. However, in my own mind, I combined the stories. Essentially, they are sort of linked together. Yeah, linked. But yeah. yeah. But the the problem is, is that I thought this all went down at the airport. And that's not actually what happened. I was just going to say, I had never read Supreme uh, number three. But I do remember reading this one. And I've read it a few times over the years, even since I was a kid. I do. Re I did remember that they referenced that they had already run into Supreme once before, before this mm -hmm. issue of Bloodstrike. And so when you told me, hey, we'll talk about both of them, I was like, well, I, I guess I need to read that one finally because I never <laughs> read it before. I read Supreme in the early days of the image stuff. You know, I had the first, definitely the first issue, maybe the second. And then the only other Supreme issues I had from those early days were the two issues where he um, fought Thor, the extreme oh, yeah. uh, universe version of Thor. Well, I think it was like seven and eight maybe. But I'd never read the third issue. So that was a first time read for me today. 
yeah, I mean, the, the big point is, is that issue number five of Bloodstrike, what occurs, what happens in that comic is just relentless bloodletting. <laughs> and it is great. It is just fantastic. And just brutality. As soon as I saw you share the cover, I was like, man, I remember almost beat for beat what happens inside that issue. <laughs> and I was like, why haven't we talked about this? Because you obviously were on board, too. So Supreme number three title of the story is No Mercy. Like I said, came out in June of 1993, created and co-plotted this issue, Rob Liefeld. Pencils, co-plotter, script, colors, Brian Murray. Inks, Chris Ivey. Lettering, Kurt Hathaway. And here we go. In Supreme number three, tension mounts as heads of state gather at Dulles Airport for the Pacifica Coexistence Summit, surrounded by heightened security. However, chaos ensues when a terrorist faction seizes control of the airport. The government calls upon Heavy Metal, which is a team that is led by the formidable Supreme, to intervene and teams up with the members of Bloodstrike who are already on site. Initially, Bloodstrike member Deadlock suggests that they have the situation under control, but they reluctantly brief Heavy Metal on the dire circumstances. It's believed that the terrorists have begun killing hostages shortly after they go over it with Supreme and Heavy Metal. That necessitates swift action. Despite Cabot's insistence that Bloodstrike should handle the operation, Supreme defies his orders and boldly strides into the airport. The terrorists open fire, but to their shock, Supreme is impervious to their bullets. With a blood-splattered ferocity, Supreme begins to cut through the terrorists, gruesomely dispatching them and saving the hostages. When another gunman threatens the hostages upon seeing Supreme, he responds with a brutal display of power, using his heat vision to obliterate the attacker's skull. As the horrified heavy metal and bloodstrike teams rush in, Supreme offers no explanation for his actions and swiftly takes flight, heading towards an incoming spaceship piloted by one of his old adversaries, the villain Chrome. You know, look, you're here listening to the Unspoken Issues podcast because we talk about 90s comics, but you may not know a whole lot about Image Comics. You may not know that their version of Superman was <laughs> Supreme. And the big difference is, is that Supreme does not put up with anything. <laughs> why he that is why he is honestly one of my favorite image superheroes. You know, when you're reading these issues, you can see, okay, yeah, this is a character that has very similar powers to, to Superman. He can fly, he's got kind of like heat vision, impervious uh, or invulnerability, very powerful. But his attitude is what definitely sets separates him from Superman. I don't even know anything about Supreme number two. It's been a while. If, if I read it, it, it was when uh, it was years ago. The first Supreme issue doesn't have a whole lot of violence or anything, but in this one, we definitely see, uh, you know, Rob Liefeld wanted a kind of an old man, Superman. Like this is a su right. Supreme was actually listed as volume two. Yeah. And Liefeld had said, you know, I'll go back and do volume one later because the idea was, this is, this was kind of a golden age Superman who had gone or maybe a Silver Age Superman who had, you know, fought in World War II, had been a superhero, had all these adventures, and then left the Earth, kind of exiled himself from the Earth for years and years. And now he comes back, you know, as an older man, got gray hair, still has the power, and he's got this, you know, 90s gritty edge to him, you know, <laughs> not afraid to kill, you know, uh, the bad guys and... You know, he doesn't have any patience for, for any of the other, you know, superheroics that are going on in, in these comics. 
Yeah, I was just kind of scanning through issue two here just to kind of see what was going on there. And that's where he first meets up with Heavy Metal. That's an interesting concept, too. Like in the first issue, they introduced Heavy Metal and it was kind of the government wanting to kind of use them to like team up with Supreme. And he didn't have much of a desire for that, if I remember right. But but you kind of see those characters in the first issue of Supreme. And, you know, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm getting maybe you don't even see them to the second issue. It's hard for me to remember. It's been so long, but I'm looking at it. have got some cool characters. I am. I'm checking it out to see if uh, they did show up here. I know that. Yeah. It's, they, I mean, it's been a while since I've read the early issues of Supreme. So seeing him like the leader of a team, that mm. was never. You're right. It's it's a crazy concept because you're used to him just being a loner. You know, he is by himself for a reason because he likes it that way. Usually, he, well, for one, he doesn't really need the help. For most, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> in he, most cases, you know, there may be some times he does, but he's so much more powerful than everybody else. Like, yeah, it's interesting as as you read through Supreme, and again, it's been probably twenty five years or so since I've actually read the issues again. But just like Superman, they got to figure out a way to kind of de-escalate his power because he's. You know, if you do have this guy, if this guy runs amok in the in the image universe, (laughs) there's going to be problems. But, yeah, you know, at one point he ends up losing his power. And so he starts relying on you said you read the Thor issues. So I don't know if you remember he ends up beating Thor. And the only reason he keeps the hammer around, he like keeps it as a trophy. And I can't remember if he loses his power before meeting Thor. I don't think he does. Uh, But he loses his power after at some point. And so he keeps the hammer around to actually give him power. He keeps the only around to, to stay powerful. More and more things happen. And then, of course, Crypt happens uh, at an extreme sacrifice. And I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. seeing those panels. But anyway, I Supreme, mostly just remember the ads and stuff. I don't know that I've read those. So, Crypt ends up messing him up bad. <laughs> I remember like, he came back as a younger version of Supreme at one point. Maybe Crypt killed him, and he came back as a he had like black hair, right, and he was the younger right. version or something. Right. Didn't, yeah, maybe Crypt. he didn't even have memories of being an older man. Yeah, you know him showing up with heavy metal. Heavy metal in this comic really doesn't do a whole lot here either. I mean, really, it's it's there's only a couple beats that happen here. Heavy metal gets called to Dulles Airport. They show up. Bloodstrike gives him a hard time. Supreme goes in and he just cleans house, and that's about it. I mean. And then he takes off, and we got we got Chrome coming to Earth after that. But uh, one interesting thing I thought they at the early in the issue, there's some like government dudes talking about Supreme and talking into heavy metal about him, and they kind of reference how the U.S. was like, or the Allies were likely to win the war anyway. But like because we're talking about World War II, Supreme basically won it on his own. He was so powerful, <laughs> which I thought was kind of an interesting wrinkle. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot else. The art is is pretty solid. I, I you know, I'm reading this. I think the same as you are as a scan online, right. and the colors are really dark. I wonder if it would look the same. I wonder if that's just a problem with these scans, or if it's if that's just the way it looked. The coloring was just too really dark, and uh, it made some of the panels really muddy and hard to see. But yeah, um, overall, I kind of like the art, and it, it's very of the time <laughs> but i think his name is brian murray is that right the artist's name right uh it, assuming he's the one who designed the uh, the alien member of heavy metal or seemingly uh the purple you know guy i forget his name um skyraker yeah skyraker i really like that costume design he's got like um these weird fins on his face and like a metal plate over <laughs> kind of over his nose over his mouth uh just a really interesting costume i like his his suit or whatever when he starts talking he's like making mention of a lot of the 
you know, the Rob Liefeld, Youngblood, uh, mm-hmm. alien references. Like, uh, I think there's a mention about Not a Catellan. Yeah, yeah. There's like Catellans and this, that, and the other. Clearly, he's got some kind of a history within that extreme universe. Heading over to Mike's Amazing World, Brian Murray, his credits start with, looks like an 80, well, in 85, he did a an issue for Continuity Comics called Revengers featuring Armor and Silverstreak. You remember Armor for Continuity Comics? I've never read any, but I can remember the covers. I don't... It's it rings a bell, but I can't place it in my head. Yeah, you you go and find a couple covers, you'll be like, oh yeah, I remember you because I remember the continuity comics was like when I would go to the drugstore down here in Marietta. For some reason, they carried continuity comics, which maybe they had a larger reach than I realized. You know, you'd think the old drugstore, you know, the the old right. uh, local drugstore, would be like, well, get me a Marvel uh, Spider Man's and the Supermans, but. <laughs> right. You know, not continuity comics where I'm sitting there looking at like there were issues of uh, Terminator. They'd carry Terminator comics and huh. they always had a weird like selection of stuff. But I can remember the armor comics there. I almost uh, was going to say Chrome was a continuity comic, but I'm looking now. That's hot comics. Hot. Uh, I had an issue of Chrome uh, that I probably got at a flea market or something when I was a kid. But that's not continuity comics, actually. So okay. <laughs> it looks like or after this continuity comic that he did, he he gets some he gets some work at DC doing Young All Stars, and he does like a solid run one two three four five six eight nine ten of uh, Young All Stars, which I don't recall. That's an eighty seven, and mm. then his credits here on Mike's Amazing World only go to like Supreme number ten. That's in 94, and then he does Rune number 2 in 95, and that's it. He's done. Huh, that must have been so, the, the Marvel um, Rune. Yeah. yeah, it said Rune number 2, Marvel, yeah, 95. When, when did that happen? When did that a- acquisition occur? Uh, I think it was in uh, early 95, late 94, early 95. Was it? Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, he was working for Liefeld, so he probably made some pretty good money. Right. Uh, doing these, and then maybe he just, once the... Once the uh, Market collapsed. Maybe he just got a job in marketing or something. Who knows? That's the way. That's the way it seems like Brian Murray. Oh, but he's solid. I like. I like. It's got a definitely got a '90s energy to it. I like it. <laughs> yeah, I agree. All right, let's go ahead and we'll pick a panel. And since Supreme is my favorite comic book character, I get to go first. <laughs> go for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm I'm just scanning, just to make sure that there isn't anything else here. Because I know what the easy one is. <laughs> that, and I I mean, I get it. I, this is, Just I don't know. Do okay, uh, there's two. There's two, but I'm going, <laughs> there's the one I'm picking is the one where he is just, sticking his arms out and swinging like a tornado just spinning chopping (laughs) it's just his hands are going through people's faces yeah like one guy (laughs) down in the this is on i mean if you actually have the comic in front of you down in the lower right hand corner corner you'll see page number 17 and this is the bottom panel one guy is getting his head i mean from the nose (laughs) About the nose height, it's being chopped in half. The Then there's another guy who's sitting beside him who just happens to be close enough to get, like, his eyes wiped out yeah. by Supreme's <laughs> fingers. It is gruesome. Yeah. And it's, I mean, just looking at Supreme's face, he is, again, he's not putting up with anything, and he has no no mercy when it comes mm-hmm. to stuff like this. Like, if, if he believes that you are in the wrong or you are going to do something wrong... There, it's not like he's going to 
boy scout it up and give you the opportunity to put your gun down. No, <laughs> it's you're dead. You've made your decision already. Supreme's made his and you're going to be at the wrong end of a Supreme tornado, I guess is what we'll call that. So, <laughs> all right, man, what do you, what do you got there? Uh, I'm going to go a couple pages later. Uh, I think this is page 19. Only two panels here where uh, one guy's begging Supreme for his life and uh, no mercy shown again. He's it's the, the bottom panel. He's using his, um, I guess what would be his version of heat vision to blast the guy in the eyes. And, you know, the next page we see the results, which is basically the guy's head exploding. But I like this panel because it really looks like his eyelids have been melted away. Oh, does it ever, man. <laughs> and it's just his, you know, bare eyeballs getting blasted with this, uh, you know, radiation, heat vision, whatever that is. Uh, pretty gruesome. Pretty gruesome. Yeah, dude. And, you know, it's... It- as again, we talk about this all the time when we, we pick panels. Uh, an artist has to come up with an idea of, okay, how is this going to look? The next panel, okay, I'm I'm going to reference Raiders of the Lost Ark, maybe because <laughs> you, you can see you can see some heads kind of melting and exploding yeah. in that or whatever. But in the panel before that, the one that you're picking, I mean, this the artist has to get across like what is happening to this guy, and you could have went a real. I wouldn't say laid back way, but you could have went a different way and, and it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have looked as impactful that uh, here, just like you said, the eyelids are not there. It looks like something is like flying back from his eyeballs. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know what that is, but I, I assume it's, I have no idea. <laughs> it's eyeball jelly or whatever, <laughs> you know, something is happening to this dude and it is, or it could just be, you know, radiation. It looks like smoke though, almost, or some yeah. kind of liquid of some sort. It's gross. <laughs> it's gross, but it's, yeah, and you're right, dude. It's good. The, ex- the exploding head, uh, it almost looks like maybe he has superheated the guy's brain to a point where it explodes and it makes his entire head explode. Jeez. I love how like the team rushes in. I mean, you got to think about that. This is a team of superhumans that Supreme just left a few panels ago. And I don't think that they were planning on just sitting around there talking like, should we go after him? They probably ran after him. So in, in those split seconds, this is the carnage that happens. (laughs) You know, all this happens so quickly. Yeah. They mention in one of the, I'm looking for the panel. Yeah. When he first shows up, it says what follows last less than four seconds as Supreme oh, Explorer of merciless violence. Gosh. Uh, so all that happens in a matter of seconds, basically. This um, is my Supreme, by the way. The, uh, you know, <laughs> Kid Supreme can go take a walk. Alan Moore is Supreme. I, I mean, look, uh, Alan Moore, he's a great writer. I went back and revisited it. I know that if you go back to like, I don't think if you listen to the first 10 episodes, I've probably talked about Alan Moore Supreme at one point because I hated what he did with the character. Yes. Yes. I had to pull the knife out of my back. I wrote (laughs) them a letter, but you've heard this story so many times. Chris is getting bored with it. Trust me. Uh, But, but, but no, this is, this is my Supreme. This is really what made me go. Okay. We're, we're at a different level here. This is a different level of Superman. But the thing is, is I believe that I read this issue after the second one that we have featured here. But mm. before we get into that, you did a little bit of homework. So anything left, though, uh, unsaid on Supreme number three? Uh, the only other thing on Supreme three, I, I had seen this cover before, you know, him you know, kind of facing off with Bloodstrike. I had never noticed until today, you know, he's holding yeah. essentially <laughs> that same 
terrorist that he evaporated his head. You know, he's holding him by the collar there on the cover, and his head is just a smoking husk. Um, but I never, I never noticed that until today when I when I actually read this issue. Oh, I um, love. That. Yeah, that's all I got for that one. Okay, all right. Well, so yeah, we're going to get into Blood Strike number five, which is what brought us to the dance. But you said you did a little bit of homework here for by reading the fourth issue, which was, trust me, folks, if you pick up blood strike number five, you're going to be at a little bit of a shock when you open up the cover and two of the members are actually fighting each other. It gets pretty deadly. Kind of ought to know what happened in issue four. So what, what did you say occurred? You know, blood strike number four and five have always been like, like kind of we were talking about earlier, how blood strike number five, super violent, super gory, really impactful on, you know, I was, uh, 12, 13, you know, when this, these books came out and, um, mm-hmm. I've always, cons- I've always kind of had four and five linked together in my head because I reread those two issues together as kind of a two-parter a, a lot when I was a kid. Uh, and blood strike number four is almost as violent as, <laughs> as number five. And kind of the, 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 the key premise of issue four is like what the characters kind of do on their off time, their downtime. So we kind of see deadlock is it, really interesting that he's a member of blood strike because he's also apparently a member of the four, which is a supervillain team that Youngblood fights in their initial miniseries. And in Bloodstruck issue four, we see a lot of stuff where Cabot is kind of doing research to find out, like, is this Deadlock the same Deadlock from... He's kind of asking the same questions the, the viewer or the readers are, <laughs> are asking. Like, yeah. Is it the same Deadlock? He's, he's talking to his AI, uh, you know, computer, and they're like, no, these two have different personalities, even though they look and dress the same and have the same name, like... We don't think they're the same person. Person. Oh, okay. Uh, and and in the downtime, we see Deadlock is out on the streets, and he brutally murders these two guys that are bragging about how they uh, basically assaulted some woman. Mm. And he he like rips one's head off, rips one spine out. Um, oh. But while he's doing this, he's kind of oh, screaming man. at them be- because they ruined his kill. Like he was stalking that woman and wanted to kill her himself. So this certainly seems more like the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. You know, towards the end of the issue, Cabot is trying to get everybody back for a meeting and he uh, Deadlock doesn't show up on time. So he has the computer teleport him back. You know, Deadlock's none too happy to be brought back. And he kind of acts like he doesn't know why he's there. So we, okay. so is it like a split personality thing or is this the wrong Deadlock? We don't really know. Really, I don't. I never got those answers because I never read <laughs> anything past issue five or six of Bloodstrike when I was a kid, and I and I still haven't. But um, mm. uh, that's kind of sets up uh, Bloodstrike number five because it opens up with with Cabot, the leader of Bloodstrike, in a in a fight with uh, with Deadlock. Let's talk about the what Bloodstrike is uh, sure. the the team before we get into. So I know that Bloodstrike clearly is. A team led by Cabot, just like you had mentioned, there's a large crossover that happens in issues one and two with Brigade, which is led by his brother, right? His brother, right? Yeah, um, yeah. The Bloodstrike, um, the first three issues of Bloodstrike, and the first three issues of the second Brigade series, the ongoing series that came after the miniseries. That's a crossover called Blood Brothers, and it's basically Bloodstrike trying to hunt down Brigade, and um, we find out in that crossover that the leaders, Brigade's leader, Battlestone, 
and Blood Strikes Leader Cabot are uh, brothers. Ah, okay. Uh, and they're both. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Products of this project. Uh, I think it's called Project Born Again, which is like a government project that basically reanimates dead soldiers. Yeah. Uh, and then I think all of the Bloodstrike characters are members of that program. Like they're all like basically zombies <laughs> they're yeah. basically sea soldiers that have been re- reanimated by the government yeah and, and when you say zombie it's in concept itself it's not like a, a, you know the uh, yeah, uh, yeah right right <laughs> they are brought back to life somehow in some way by this government project okay so we, we talked about cabot cabot stone then we have foreplay who as far as i could tell doesn't have any powers other than she has four arms she may be yes. a little bit, a little bit more strong, I guess. Maybe she's probably strong. She wouldn't be on the team if she couldn't handle herself. Uh, yeah, and she's, you know, maybe it's only because she has the four arms. So in order for her to look kind of normal, um, she has to be big. Yeah, <laughs> she seems to be right. tall, like uh, taller, like bigger uh, than most of the female characters would be. We talked about Deadlock already. Who, I mean, really, if you were to draw a parallel between him and Wolverine. <laughs> you wouldn't be too far off, especially in yeah. looks. Uh, I mean, the the looks kind of remind me of that. The mask uh, a little bit. and But but yeah, I mean, he doesn't have claws. He's more along the lines of like a uh, he's definitely got sharp teeth. I, I saw a close up of his yeah, face. There's, so some, like, there's some ideas that he might be a vampire, too. OK. All right. Like that's one uh, of the things that Cabot kind of is, ta- is getting info when he's doing the comparison in the previous issue. That's interesting. Then we have Shogun who essentially is a massive, massive arm-to-the-teeth battle suit. So he has to get in there and pilot it, uh, but that's Shogun. And then we have Tag, who, from what I understand, she can... She's called Tag because if she touches you and she uses her power, you freeze in place. That's Tag, and that is Bloodstrike. So now what we've got to talk about is what happens in this issue. title of this issue is Haywire. Story and layouts by Keith Giffen. Pencils and additional layouts by Chris Alexander. Inks by Marlo Alkiza. Jonathan Seibel as well. Script by Eric Stevenson. Colors, Byron George Tallman. Oh, lettering Kurt Hathaway, by the way. Title of the story. I have a coup for uh, Liefeld to get Keith Giffen, who had had a pretty big run in the 80s for, I think, D.C. Uh, I believe he was the writer of the JLA, the Wahaha version of the JLA. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, he also did Trencher for Image. Let me just go ahead and say, if I haven't been on record here, I, I swear that I have. What are we at? Like, we're, we're close to episode 100. Right. Uh, <laughs> I hate, hate, hate the way Trencher looked. I remember buying, yeah. I, I own three comics that have the Trencher in it. I don't know what possessed me to buy them. I don't know if I was like, okay, this is going to be, this is another Image comic. I guess I was on the bandwagon, but man, I could not stand the way that thing looked. Just yeah, I, I didn't, you know, I like some of his art on different things because he's an artist and a writer. Uh, I, I didn't like the Trencher art style at all either. Yeah. Uh, I never well, read that book. And he also did an Images of Shadowhawk issue where Trencher guest starred and that was done in the same style. And yep. Yeah, not a that. fan 
of that. Now, yeah, and the thing is, is that I've, I, I think a while back, I forced myself to read a couple issues or something like that. The the writing's fine, and I think it's fun to read. But could you imagine trying to color <laughs> his pencils, like just right. try or ink? I, I mean, it, uh, coloring would be. I, I wouldn't know where to start and where to begin. It would be tough. Like, okay, this is. I guess this is part of his shirt. Um, anyway, <laughs> I listen yes. all. All the love for him, but I just couldn't stand. I couldn't stand to look at the comic. Go ahead. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of, of that, uh, specifically the art style. I never really read him, so I don't know. But okay. as far as quality, just just reading from his Wikipedia, he is known for his work for DC Comics on their Legion of Superheroes and Justice League titles, as well as for being the co-creator of Lobo and Rocket Record. That's where, yes, Lobo. I was sitting there <laughs> thinking to myself, I swear he's, uh, uh, you know, somehow related to Lobo in some way. Well, like I said, this this uh, this issue came in November of 1993. So a deadly and brutal showdown unfolds at the Bloodstrike headquarters. This is how we open the book, folks. We open the book where Deadlock and Cabot engage in a one-on-one fight that quickly escalates. And they were already engaged as soon as you open up this book, by the way. The intense battle spills through several rooms until Deadlock makes a daring leap at Cabot. Unflinching, Cabot confronts him head-on, thrusting his fist through Deadlock's abdomen, putting a gruesome and horrifying end to their conflict. Although Deadlock survives, eh, I mean, he's on the ground yelling, but <laughs> I don't know how he... Uh, twitching. Yeah, I don't know how well he fared. I'm sure he's left horribly wounded and requires immediate medical attention. They take him down to the labs there at Project Born Again. Now, as Cabot heads down to the lab for his own injuries, which De- Deadlock took a chunk out of his chest, he definitely appears noticeably on edge and irritable, snapping at those around him. Now, Cabot soon learns of Bloodstrike's next mission, to apprehend Supreme, who has discovered the terrorist base responsible for the Dulles Airport incident. Cabot exudes unwavering confidence in the face of this task, En route to confront Supreme Bloodstrike members, Tag and Foreplay discuss Cabot's attitude and mentally try to prepare for the impending confrontation. Upon arriving at the terrorist headquarters, they find it in ruins, clearly having been attacked before their arrival. Supreme meets the team, and when Cabot announces their mission to apprehend him, Supreme responds with a fiery blast. Chaos ensues as Shogun unleashes his weaponry, only to have the bullets bounce off Supreme and inadvertently harm his own team members. Supreme swiftly incapacitates Shogun, violently opening his armor and delivering a brutal death blow by burying his hands into his chest cavity. Foreplay attempts to intervene, but Supreme mercilessly disarms her. Now, folks, I'm I'm not even going to say folks. Chris, I had, (laughs) I had, I had chat GPT. I throw the notes in there, right? Uh And I say, yeah, I say, hey, do me a favor and write me a synopsis for these for this issue after looking at my notes. And the fact that I did not write disarms her, by the way, that was chat GPT throwing some humor in there. <laughs> uh, so anyway, brutally, uh, but Supreme mercilessly disarms her with a vicious swing of his fist. Tag makes an attempt to free Supreme in place, but he effortlessly counters by flicking her. And I say flicking her in the forehead sending her flying fueled by rage cabot launches a final assault on supreme unloading his weapons however supreme seizes cabot by the face thrusting his fingers into cabot's eye sockets before punching through his abdomen as cabot struggles to rise supreme grabs him hoists him above his head and gruesomely breaks his body in half across his knee in the aftermath supreme takes flight leaving a devastated and traumatized tag to witness the carnage she calls for transport to collect her fallen team members and return them back to Project Born Again. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what an issue. OK, so 
it is brutality that happens on these pages. This is the issue, and you picked this. So I want to let you go first, and then I'll kind of follow up here. So what are your thoughts here on Blood Strike number five? Well, <laughs> well. Again, again, this is one that, like, as a as a 12, th- when was the release date on this one? 93. So this has been November of 93. So I, I was, uh, I, I turned uh, 13 oh. uh, that summer, essentially. So just 15. a month before this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 15 for you. So. I had seen some violent comics by this time because Image had a lot of that kind of stuff, but like nothing like this. This yeah. <laughs> this was another level, and I was just reading it mouth agape, hoping my parents never saw this comic <laughs> <laughs> and forbid me to buy you know any of these ever again. And and it, mostly it's the the uh, Supreme stuff, uh, but even the battle with deadlock you know like you said he kind of rips cabot's chest open yeah and then that that punch that that's quite a super punch cabot delivers that basically knocks the spine out of deadlock's back gosh pretty intense i did get kind of a kick out of cabot thinking so little of supreme oh yeah he he basically is like this guy's an old man he's not going to be an issue like i don't even know why we're bothering they should have sent youngblood to deal with this you know interestingly youngblood had already gotten handled pretty much by supreme not as violently as this um but supreme kind of had a little fight with youngblood in in his first issue where they Mm -hmm. uh, specifically die hard had a big uh, confrontation that he got the, the lesser of. I love some of the lines that Supreme has, <laughs> you know, like when they show up and they, once it's clear that a fight is about to take place and Shogun yeah. kind of unleashes some uh, firepower and Supreme just says, if that contraption you're wearing turns into some form of transportation, I'd advise you to use that function to retreat. <laughs> uh, but it, of course he doesn't have time to do that. The, the best line he's got is as he's about to, to, crush Cabot's face he says uh I hope you've seen the light because it's going out and then oh he, my gosh <laughs> then he shoves his fingers in his eye sockets and and uh punches his guts out of his bag basically um, oh. yeah just just r- ridiculously brutal um he also basically breaks his leg off at the knee and <laughs> and for good measure, even though his entrails are already entrails are all hanging out, he he breaks his back as well. Just oh. unbelievable. And yeah, it's it also is. interesting that you know Tag has the ability to freeze people, which he'd used in previous issues, and unexplained, it doesn't work on Supreme. I'm not really sure why. I don't know if that's ever explained later, but it's kind of weird that like the one advantage you know Bloodstrike might have is that, and it it does not work for whatever reason. Right. <sighs> the organs that are just laying about. <laughs> I mean, you'd yeah. be able, that's the dude's liver. That looks like some intestines there. Uh, I mean, <sighs> the point in which he swings at foreplay. Yeah. And he just swings his fist. And I, I assume it's just because of how fast he swung through it. It's, and mm-hmm. it just rips her arm her two arms off her left side of the body basically from right above the elbow off but (laughs) it 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 doesn't it doesn't just stop there you know pieces of her hand are flying toward the reader and they're like you know you can see the bones inside her fingers and (laughs) it's just individual fingers are flying off of her hand and oh my gosh man and the layouts are by keith given the the pencils are chris alexander and you know, not not exceptional art, but perfect for this book. <laughs> and 
he really does a good job of showing the grotesque uh, results of Supreme. <laughs> and uh, right. a few a few times, and it, it's probably maybe more of a colorist thing, there's a little... I wouldn't say there's too much blood because I'm sure there would be a ton. But, um, oh, yeah, dude. Uh, there's especially the, the panel where Cabot says to him, I'll see you in hell. This is after he's had his face crushed. So he's got no eyes in his eye sockets. And there's just his mouth is open and blood is just pouring out of his open mouth and, and oh. open wounds on his face. <laughs> Man, I'll, I'll go ahead. I'm just going to tell you right now. That's my panel, by the way. <laughs> That is that is my panel of this book is him just there's three panels in that sequence. And, and when Supreme releases him after putting his hand in his face and then <laughs> that should be it. But no, Cabot gets up and Supreme's like, you still move. And he, he has enough, enough balls to say, I'll see you <laughs> in hell after he's been fucked up beyond belief with this. Right. I mean, with Supreme, dude, it it, it is icing on this cake it is the cherry on this sunday for me to just kind of see that and there is so much but you know that is it's a small panel but it's just him getting up saying i'll see you in hell through the blood that is just i mean (laughs) it's it's disgusting it's something i'd never want to see in a movie (laughs) because i would probably be like oh man armstrong would probably enjoy this but i gotta turn this tv off right now there's there's just it's just you know it's disgusting you got to think about this. This is Blood Strikes comic. Right. And Supreme showed up. And I said this last night when we were in the chat, dude. If this was a Marvel comic, which it definitely isn't, these <laughs> teams are going to they're going to scuffle. They're going to see the error of their ways or somebody's going to come to an, uh, you know, come to an understanding. Yeah. And they're going to see themselves off uh, and go their separate ways. But no, the team this team that of this team book just met one of the most horrifying ends i've ever seen <laughs> a team meet in their own book and there's been i'm sure there's some pretty bad stuff out there but this they got decimated yeah and it yeah supreme just shows up in their own comic in rex house and <laughs> it's great dude it's yeah you know, yeah i'm 15 i'm reading this and i was like <laughs> well you know, I there. Why would I want to go back to Marvel? Well, you know, <laughs> I'm 15. I mean, I I, sh- I should have known they had they had some uh, some good writing over there. However, <laughs> folks, you aren't getting this on the page. If it is, it's implied. And mm-hmm. when Marvel started pushing the envelope with a little, it was way too late for me to be like, well, you guys missed the boat. Image has done done this already. And <laughs> yeah, Image had some pretty violent stuff. Like, you know, Shadowhawk was breaking people's backs. Mm-hmm. Um, even in the first issue of Youngblood, uh, Sci-Fi or one of their, like their uh, telepathic or telekinetic character, there was a, a Saddam Hussein stand-in, you know, that they blew, he, he basically made the guy's head explode. But that was kind of off-panel. You didn't really see it. I remember we talked about that issue. I think yeah, we did that yeah. actually on an episode. In this one, it's just like, no, we're going to show you the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, it was it was in your face. It was nonstop. This was a Supreme that nobody had an answer for. I don't think it's let on in this issue that Supreme knows that this team is made up of people that have been dead before. But yeah, I was curious about that because... You know, he, he has x-ray vision, so maybe he could tell by looking at their internal organs and stuff. Like, he calls... Shogun. Shogun, you know, he says, end of the line abomination before he rips his guts out. Exactly. And, uh, now, is that because he knows that he's supposed to be dead already, or is it because he sees him as an abomination because he was using, like, 
a super suit and he doesn't have any powers or something like that. I, like, I, I, yeah. And I don't know if it's ever revealed later. Maybe, maybe it is. I don't know that Supreme and Bloodstrike had any other interactions after this. I would hope so. Hope not for Bloodstrike's sake. <laughs> well, if, if, if Bloodstrike ran into Supreme again, I hope they learned their lesson. <laughs> and they just, okay. All right, sir. Can we talk about this, please? Um, get you a coffee? Uh, <laughs> the whole abomination line, the end of the line abomination, that to me makes me think, okay, Supreme knows that mm. these people have died before. Although I don't know. I don't know if Shogun's died. Also, I assume he has. He also calls Cabot uh, a parasite <laughs> when uh, right. when he breaks his back uh, uh, there, too. I don't know if that's supposed to mean something uh, or if he just... That's the standard insult. <laughs> the whole project born again. You really don't know how, how, I mean, obviously the big question is how in the hell are they bringing these people back to life? And, and it does escalate really quickly. Like they show up and like, Hey, we're going to bring you in. And he's like, no, I don't think you are. And I guess Shogun's like, you know, pretty impressive. Not which you know, he's not referenced, but he unloads on him. And I think that's when Supreme's like, okay, kid gloves are off. If you went right. up to anybody else and said, do you remember blood strike number five? I don't know if they would or not, but I could tell you I'd sure did. Right. Me too. Yeah. I mean, it's gotta be on a short list of most violent, mainstream comics if you want to consider like you know stuff like marvel dc image uh dark horse you know that kind of stuff like the, the big malibu the big uh publishers of of uh superhero comics and stuff so mm -hmm. uh, obviously nowadays invincible like you see stuff like this in almost every issue of invincible and i know robert kirkman was a big fan <laughs> of uh <laughs> early image stuff so that's probably part of the reason why invincible has so much violence in it but um but yeah What's your panel, man? It, it's a it's a tough one. Like I uh, I said, like um, a lot of the a lot of cool stuff in this. I, I really like the panel where he looks inside Shogun's suit and sees the man inside there. You know, and you see kind of the mechanics of the the uh, the Shogun suit. Obviously, I like it when he blows <laughs> Cabot's guts out. <laughs> but a similar to that one, I'm going to go with the panel where Cabot actually punches through the back of uh, Deadlock and kind of pushes his spine out the back could you imagine if you just picked this hey i'm gonna go get some comics okay well we're, we're just, this blood strike number five looks pretty interesting you haven't read anything about blood strike and you just open it up to that and you're like yeah. oh these two guys are these two teammates are fighting again or something along those lines but no that guy just punched him through uh, punched put his fist through that guy's chest i mean it's what a way to open the issue full page spread too of uh, of him laying on the ground after that, but yeah, you're saying it's it's when he, when he puts the fist through yeah. and the, you can see the spine <laughs> coming out the back. It's a good Big pick. Th thrunch, thrunch. Always some cool uh, sound effects in these uh, image comics. Early. Oh yeah, sure. Well, man, there it is. And that was Supreme number three and Bloodstrike number four, number five. Uh, big. Iconic issues in the personal lives of Jesse Starcher and Chris Armstrong. <laughs> Big treat for you guys. So what do you got going on over there at Small Screeners? <laughs> yeah, we've uh, I, I also do another podcast with my buddy AJ where we do uh, uh, it's called Small Screeners. We talk about uh, direct to video and made for TV movies. Uh, as of this recording, I'm not sure when this is going to come out, but we're heading into uh, October here pretty soon. Spooky season. So that's right. I think we're going to cover the two made for uh, video Phantasm sequels, Phantasm 3 and 4 uh, in October. And we're also going to do a special a bonus episode on horror anthologies. And actually, before that, I'm going to have my buddy Jesse here. That's me. <laughs> We're going to join us for a, 
a crossover where we talk about Justice League, the new frontier, the comic book, and the uh, direct-to-video animated movie they did uh, in, I think, 2009 or 10, somewhere in there. So a lot of stuff coming up from small screeners. So uh, you can check out the social media for that on uh, X and Instagram at small screeners. I'm also on those sites at BrodyMan34. All right. Very good. Uh, well, hey, you know, in the can right now, uh, that's, well, I should say that's aired right now. Recently, this week, as we're recording, Mark Radlich and I got together for an episode of Source Material, the comics podcast here. If you're listening to this feed, most likely you've probably seen this on the feed, <clears throat> where we talked about Supergirl power. And it is the first, I think, six issues of her 2007 run. It came out of Superman, Batman, when she kind of reappeared. So there's that. And then 28th of August, you could have heard me, Chris, and Evan Bevins talking Battle Chasers number <clears throat> one. Uh, that was a fun book. So did you did you go grab the newest issue? I did. Yep. Um, All right. There were three issues. They got to kind of a stopping point, and then <laughs> in the back, it kind of said, "Hey, we'll be, once we have a few more issues in the can, we'll be back." So who knows when we're going to see, see you in ten years? Yeah. <laughs> oh, geez. But oh, pretty cool. Right. Pretty cool continuation. I like the new Battle Chasers. It's not the same as Joe Mad on on the art, um, and like it's weird that like the original Battle Chasers came out in the late nineties, early two thousands, and now the new one is like. I don't know about necessarily R-rated because there's no like nudity in it, but there's like people driving F-bombs and stuff. And it's like, I don't mind that in most comics. Like if you've already established one tone, like in the first (laughs) run, it's weird that these characters, it's kind of like when Wolverine started and Wolverine and uh, the Professor X started dropping F-bombs into Logan. It's like, "Eh, why are they doing this now when they were... (laughs) uh, It's it's a little unnecessary. We know you're rated R. You don't have to be rated R. That way. Come on. But uh, but yeah, it's a it's a cool book. All right. One more thing. By the time this comes out, most likely I'll have up a new look uh, at Blood Strike on theunspokendecade.com. You always want to check out that for some '90s goodness. And I I did a uh, a little essay on Blood Brothers, which was the Brigade Blood Strike crossover. Uh, so you can hear a little more, see a little more Blood Strike info on on uh, unspokendecade.com. All right, that's Chris Armstrong over there. I'm Jesse Starcher. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you soon. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us. Unspoken Issues is part of the UnspokenDecade.com, the home for 90s comics, blogs, and podcasts. Unspoken Issues also has a Facebook group you can join if you are interested. Just search the Unspoken Issues podcast and request to join. All of this would not be possible without W2Mnet.com and the Rattelich and Broadcasting Network, so make sure to seek them out for more podcasts. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please feel free to share, and we look forward to entertaining you again soon.